This episode of Story Comic Presents is sponsored by JanusPointPress.com. Watch out for wormholes. Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 319. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're honored to have with us the nationally acclaimed and award-winning author of Indigo <laughs> Hours, Healing Haiku, Nancy Stone. And then so yeah, and you've written some other books as well, other than this one as well. Fine. You've written the the 251 Vermont Vistas, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. My husband and I, well, he came home from a mission trip after hurricane work. And he said, I want to go on all the back roads of Vermont and you can do art. And I thought, what would I do? <laughs> but I thought, you know, I'm a book artist. So I made some postcards, hand cut, and did the artwork on the front and made a little recollection of each of Vermont's 251 towns on the back. And the University of Vermont Special Collections um, bought the originals from me. And the book went into three publications, three editions, and I've only got a few left. For those that might be listening or watching this that are might be unfamiliar to Vermont and the 251 Club, do you want to talk briefly about what the 251 Club is? It is so wonderful. People come from out of state just because it's such a great thing. Um, there are only 251 towns and four little tiny places that you can add to your list if you want. And then Essex and Essex Junction separated, so that added confusion. <laughs> <laughs> um, people can do whatever they want. They can take 50 years. They can see the state on a motorcycle, as one man did, within a few days, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Ken and I decided that we would go and he would drive and I had my iPad because he didn't have patience for me to do watercolors in each town. Um, I was going to kiss him each town and buy cheese in each town, but that just got old really fast. So. <laughs> but we went with intention. And yeah. then I got into my 14th or 15th postcard and I went, what have I done? <laughs> because I would look at several images on my iPad and then sketch it in pencil, then ink, then watercolor, and then add colored pencil, and then write, um, edited it several times until it was good on the back. Some people can do visiting breweries. Some people visit creamy stands. Some people visit um, libraries. But there's some towns I could only paint Black Eyed Susan because there were no people there or buildings. Mm. So. And so in order to be a part of the 250, you have to take a picture of what is it, the, the post office or what? How is no, it that you actually know? There are no rules. Okay. Um, you don't even have to join. I think it's, I don't know, $15, $20 a year, which provides a big luncheon and you meet other people who've done it and you set your own goals. I mean, there are no rules at all. You don't have to have anything stamped. You don't have to. You can't meet people because some towns have no people. What were some of the commonalities that you said in the beginning? I need to make sure I capture 
quintessential image of each town or how did you kind of decide what you no, were going to pick? That would be triple A. Okay. I realized maybe after a month or two when I took a photograph of a large maple tree on the main road with buckets on it that anyone from town would know I'd been there. <laughs> so I just had to show anybody who lived in a town that I'd been there. Sometimes it was a piece of architecture. Sometimes it was llamas. Whatever caught my interest. Right. Sometimes we had to back around and go back through the town because it was so small and so short I hadn't seen anything that captured my interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then there was one time Ken said, did you see that? And I went, no. So he turned around and up in the Northeast Kingdom, maybe you still know it if you're from there, there was this piano out in a big field far away and then the mountains in the background. So I zoomed in my camera and took a picture of it and painted that. So did you visit Mosquitoville then as well? Does that count? I remember, I don't know what town, which town of many there was. We had to eat inside the car one time and not open the windows. <laughs> it was, yeah, because it's Rygate, part of Rygate. There's a, there's a, what do you call it? Not a, not a shot, not a hamlet. Um, what's the word? Like the small uh, gore, a gore. Gore. Is that one? Yeah, yeah, I would do some, some towns have villages within them. And I'd have done photographs and t taken notes and then realized it was within a town, so it wouldn't be a valid postcard. Okay. <laughs> I learned a lot about Vermont. It was great. Right. So beautiful. Right. What a wonderful state. The thing about Vermont is every season is beautiful in its own way. Is there certain times of the year where people say it's a better time to visit certain towns? We don't country? talk about that. I knew yeah. I wanted to show different weather and different seasons. So there were times when Ken, who was a snowboarder, was going, <laughs> because we'd going up this slick, frozen, rutted road, get to the top and find out the road was closed. And then he'd be going all the way down. <laughs> so it was, it was quite the experience. We bought a um, Vermont atlas road atlas so that our marriage could survive <laughs> about the 251 the vermont 251 vermont vistas was there any specific postcard that uh, that you have more fun memories of uh, compared to some other ones <laughs> this is a funny one <laughs> south burlington <laughs> really yeah I asked friends who live in South Burlington, what should I do for South Burlington? Nobody knew. They didn't do the mall. We didn't do the airport. And then I was listening to the radio, and somebody said apple pie. I went, Al's French fries. Okay. So I made a special trip and took a photograph when it was all in bloom with the flowers and did Al's French fries. That was a fun no. memory. So you said that this book that was limited supply. So those that are watching or listening to this, they are there's a chance they might not be able to get this book then. Well, I'm going to be work working, <laughs> selling the two books at the Williston Schools craft show next weekend, and I think I will have like 20 books left of the 251 Club. Wow. Okay. All right. People love it. It's a great gift. Right. And where did you get it? How did you get it published? I paid for it <laughs> with a publisher that's now out of business. 
Oh, and it wow. was in color, and it was very expensive. And galleries right. said, oh, this is just what we want, and we take 50 or 60%. I would have gotten no profit at that point because right. they cost a lot to print. Right. So my next right. book, Indigo Hours, is black and white on purpose. This is something that you wrote, um, 350 haikus. Not um, in the book. I had not in the it. book. You wrote, okay, all right. So talk to us a bit about this. Talk to us about um, Indigo Hours then. Well, as we were getting close to 230 towns, I noticed some things were happening with Ken that mm. made me wonder. So in my mind, I thought, we have got to finish this project because something's going on. So we finished it, and then that same summer, he was tested for his memory. Mm -hmm. And it was mild cognitive impairment, likely Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So after a while, he couldn't drive. So it was a wonderful thing we did. Right. And he likes to look at the book with me. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't sleep. Before the diagnosis and after the diagnosis, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and be in turmoil and anxiety. I started jotting down notes, which were helpful for our doctor, including reasons why he shouldn't be driving anymore. <laughs> and then I started reading um, Mary Oliver poetry, which, and I bought a big book. And she just brings me peace. I still read it when I wake up. And then I started writing, well, I'd sit in bed and go, what is going on? Hmm. And I'd find a word that made sense to me. And then I started using post-its and I started writing haiku poetry. So this is my little handmade book. And every one of these post-its probably took eight to 20 um, editions, versions, until I got the right number of syllables in the right. right words that spoke to what I was trying to say. So I have a, an example of haiku which explains that. So it's usually three lines. The first line is five syllables, the se second one is seven, and then the third one is third, uh, five, excuse me. Hmm. So I'm going to count it out. Seeking a playmate, my muse wakes me at midnight we frolic for hours. And then I can usually get to sleep unless my muse decides to keep going. <laughs> but without her, I wouldn't have had this book. And it was really, really healing to me. Watch out for wormholes, because a good book is a wormhole, whether it's paper or pixels. Explore our artist books and chat books, including the winning 2022 Chautauqua Janus Prize Lecture at JanusPointPress.com. And sign up for news of our upcoming sci-fi, sensual, and literary collection, Event Horizon. This short story collection on cosmic decisions and their impact is written by award-winning author Stephanie Nina Pizzarillos and features comics, prose, photography, an original canvas work by an array of exciting artists. Visit JanicePointPress.com. And so somebody who is an artist, though, you know, going through some of this stuff and, and, and utilizing this also as a form of therapy, uh, what made you gravitate towards the written word instead of 
a, the a visual medium? It was a different world. Hmm. And I think I could be more specific choosing 17 syllables instead of reworking. And my art usually is happier than that. So, here's a little book. I hope you can see it well enough. It's called Blue Haiku. Okay. And it has string, and it shows a, a little silhouette figure dancing. It says, dancing in the breeze, he and the kite are one, as dr both drift off beyond reach. Oh, wow. Both drift beyond reach. And it has a little hole here that he went into. And that really happened. I, I really had that feeling when we were out flying a kite. So then I had at one point 200 haiku, and I wanted to enter the art show. I co-founded the Book Arts Guild of Vermont, and they were having a show, and I thought, well, I just have my poems. So I thought, well, maybe I'll make my poems into a book. So this is called Sea Change Haiku. Wow. And it, stands up like an accordion. Hmm. So I can explain a little bit how I did that, if you'd like me to. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I discovered a product right around that time, being an art teacher, grades, well, I taught pre-K to college over my lifetime. <laughs> but I love scratchboard. I mean, in third and fourth grade, you're scratching through black crayon to get the colored crayon underneath. And then you get to middle school and you have white clay coated paper with ink on it, you scratch through that. But I found this product that is stiff um, plastic with ink on it. When you scratch through it, you can see through it. So you can okay. place color under it like that. Uh, so okay. By doing that, I was able to do the cover of my book by placing the hourglass over a watercolor. And I used indigo pigment because indigo hours are the middle of the darkest hours of the night when things seem to go wrong. <laughs> I sprinkled salt into it to create the stars, but it also, someone pointed out, looked like the brain synapses. Wow. <laughs> um, I realized I was constantly doing the same question marks. So in this case, I made them varied because the questions were varied. Okay. And after I wrote some haiku, my mind would settle down and there would be peace at the bottom. Wow. So it's filled with artwork and poetry. And so I was able to put the plastic over some poetry and it became one piece as you saw in that big book right that I made for the art show so this is not liking loose ends i now feel normal being all tied up in knots hmm. and people are finding these helpful even if they haven't dealt with caregiving or alzheimer's because we all have as mary oliver said we all wear a shadow and right. it's not always attached to our feet <laughs> This right. is another one. It's hard trying to both hold it together and watch it fall apart. Mm. This one took me two weeks because no matter what stage we are at in the dementia trip, things seem calm on the surface, 
but underneath you know things are going on and then it's a fatal disease. So I wrote Placid Days, Calm Seas, Clandestine Tidal Movement, Ruthless Undertow. Usually the ocean's quiet at the bottom and the rough seas are at the top, but for what we're living through, it has that, this, this part of it. So it was a way to express with art and words what I was going through and other people go through. You found that some of the feedback you've gotten is that some of these haikus speak to other levels of caregiving or other issues of stress and, and yes. that part too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was sharing some poems simply because they were pouring out of me. Um, people who have cared for cancer. Um, one of them is about a train and a tragedy came in that person, my friend's life with the train. Could I read that one to you? Sure. This one also really took a long time. Sometimes three lines are not enough. Bypassing signals, the whistle wails plaintively. Please stop this train now. But time hurtles forth over trestles of loss through tunnels in the brain. Flickering windows reflect precious glimpses of shared memory. Life's receding ties diminishing with a whoosh. Soft echoes remain. So it's like, right. mm. That one helped me figure out what's going on too. I have a funny one to follow that. Grandma told me that girls aren't archaeologists. Not true nowadays, wrote this last spring. I'm excavating cupboards for lost spoons, pans, and dirty dishes. An earnest helper, he forgets where things belong. I search and unearth. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us, Nancy, about when it came to actually getting the book together. What made you decide to get this published? Um, I didn't. My friends did. <laughs> um, I'm finding the Alzheimer's support group is really helpful. We're meeting now twice a month. There are tears and there's sharing and there's a lot of laughter and there's mourning. And it's just wonderful. Someone there said, you must publish these. Other caregivers need them. Um, neighbors have told me, you must publish these. I said, no, they were for me. But they said, you've really got to do this. Other caregivers need this. So I was selling the 251 book at the Vermont Business Magazine event and saw on the, other, the list of other participants that there would be a publisher there. So I put together a little book of my poems within art and without art, even though their website, Rootstock Publishing, said, no images to be associated with the poetry. I thought, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so I went over to her booth and I said, this is what I've done. She went, oh, these are intentional. Send them to me. So Samantha Colbert liked it. She's a poet herself. I still have, what is that word? 
imposter syndrome because I'm an artist. I don't think I'm a poet, but she liked it. So, <laughs> so uh, I spent many hours when I had caregiving for my husband at the library trying to figure out how to combine some poems or combine the art with the poem, etc. And it just came out this month. So. And, and so talk about just the, the, the actual process of that, because you said you wrote 350, but they're not 350 published. How did you, how did you uh, edit out? How did you edit the book? Then? I've had a big table in my studio. I had them all written down on different pieces of paper, different sizes, moved them around, and I have divided the book into five years. It's not the most recent five years. It was early on five years. I thought, all right, these, because I, this gave the dates. Mm. So I had to figure out what was year one. And you can see the process of terrible fear, you know, awful and then gradually coming to terms with it, like this. This is year four. Here, but not really. It comes and goes, highs and lows, ambiguous grief. So just kind of sensing what was going on and accepting what was. You can't fight it. Hmm. And one of my poems is you choose joy instead of dismal moroseness <laughs> so I, I just shifted them around and just thought all right this is, this would work I don't need that I said that earlier and just it was editing for myself oh, did did Samantha or anyone at rootstock help you with the editing piece as well I was so surprised she didn't wow all we all the editing was if there was a semicolon where it shouldn't be I mean I'm not a poet, and she is, but she accepted right. me. And right. the design for the cover was my idea. Yeah. They wanted to have a blue strip here, and I went, no, this is haiku, simplicity. I don't want that blue strip. So I think being a square, which she suggested, and having it just you know straight on what it is, is more like haiku. Right. So good question, yeah. so I like that. <laughs> I did have one that after I had submitted everything to her, probably March or April, my muse was still coming to me. So I encourage caregivers to keep part of themselves because things will end and you need to be who you are and not totally lose yourself in caregiving. So I was down here last spring in my studio happy and he was above me in the kitchen doing his jigsaw puzzle, happy, for hours, not moving. And then one night I saw he had terrible edema in his legs, and it frightened me to bits. I called the doctor and everything. So I wrote this poem, sent it to Samantha just as a way of saying, hey, I'm still producing with my muse. And she said, we're going to do this epilogue. I'll read it from the book. Compression. Tight compression socks, frustrating and aggravating to pull on and off. We shout, I slam door. He whispers, I'm sorry for whatever I did. Within just minutes, he forgot what happened. It took me more time. 
He gently teaches how to live in the moment. I'm slowly learning. Hmm. There, I mean, they're they're all. It seems like they're all of the poetry is powerful. What do you hope the the readers get out of your book? Well, I have a friend who's dealing with the same thing I am. She was online in a class, and her friend from the class in Colorado, Colorado found my website, had bought the book, and emailed me that his wife had died two years ago, and he found it very comforting. Mm. So people are telling me they find solace in it, as I do. So I just think that the haiku has a ministry to other people. Right. It's great. Didn't expect yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so you mentioned, Nancy, the book is available um, as of this recording. It is available to purchase, correct? Yes. Um, if people can meet me, they can buy it without paying shipping costs. They can get it from Rootstock Publishing, which has a website. It, it comes in paperback and hardcover at Phoenix Books. The publisher and I only do the soft cover. And then Amazon does ebook <laughs> also. Once you started learning and, and, and utilizing utilizing that, that style of art, was that a given like all of the illustrations in the book were going to be that same similar style of art? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I couldn't do all the poems. So at the point of the art show, I did, I think, 18, and that was enough. <laughs> it was all the editing. And then you have to go to the Library of Congress, and you have to get the copyright and there's just so much to do right yeah but i just took it one step at a time just like alzheimer's you know you just take it one day at a time yes. right and you also have that Na nancy stone website as well yep nancystone.weebly.com okay um turned 80 this summer and thought what am i going to do with some of the art that's left over i haven't sold <laughs> and at the same time i realized the book was coming out so I decided to treat my website as a retrospective of my life because I've done a lot of different kinds of art. So that's great. So if anybody's interested, they can go to, as you mentioned, nancystone.weebly.com and you actually have um, a list of all your paintings that people can peruse and, and look at purchasing right. as well. Some are for sale and some are just amazing that I was... <laughs> so involved that I just kept going no matter how much work was involved. So right. they're fun. I, I had a 300 colored pencil drawings in an animated movie I filmed one frame at a time. It was in the UVM um, Fleming Art Museum. I have right. one last poem that I love. Yes, let's hear it. <laughs> it still um, resonates for me. And it can go for anybody. Despite all the times of exasperation, fear, exhaustion, and stress, I recognize that this day could be the best day of our yesterdays. And I still hold that true, because things will go downhill eventually more than they are now. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.
because I can't tell when I talk. So yeah, so I have to ask. You, you so, sound but... dandy. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. But not fine and dandy, just dandy then. I think I used fine earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you are dandy and fine. <laughs> well, you sound dandy and fine too, Nancy. <laughs> you have to be if you're an art teacher. <laughs> That's right. 